We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Reading from Haggai, the first chapter, starting in the first verse, and we're going to go through verse 12. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go to the mountains, bring wood, and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and on the new vine, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shekel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Generally, Father, Lord, I come to you right now. I come to you with an open heart, and I know what you've placed in my heart, Father, and I just ask you right now that you speak through me. Allow your message to flow through me. Let me just be the conduit that you flow through. I pray that hearts and minds will be open to hear the words that you are bringing. So, Father, have your way in the remainder of the service. Father, we're here for you and you alone. I pray that you will just touch each and every heart in this house today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, at the time that we've been, we've just read through, the Jews have been out of exile for about 16 years. So it's been 16 years that God's house has been laying in ruins. So I've entitled my message, To Consider Our Ways We Must. And number one, we must evaluate our time. The old saying is that history repeats itself. And we've just read an account from history, but look at us today. How similar are we today to then? We are to be building God's kingdom, but how many of us are spending more time building our own kingdoms than God's kingdom? If we look at verse 2 again, it says, The Lord has been very angry. Yes. Get back to the bed. Okay. Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, 
the time that the Lord's house should be proved. That's what the people were saying. And how many times do we say that? How many times do we say, mm, I don't have time to go pass out flyers. Mm, I don't have time to work in kid power. Mm, I don't have time and fill in the blank. How many times do we say that? But in verse 3 and 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is, or is it time, that you go, yourselves go and dwell in your paneled houses, and that this temple lies in ruin. It amazes me that we have jobs that we can arrive to on time. But when it comes to the Sabbath, the Lord's day and coming to his house, well, I'll just leave that right there. We value our time very highly. Our time shows where our hearts are. What we give our time to is what we value the most in our lives. How we invest our time reveals our priorities. We talk a good talk, but do we really walk the walk? In John 12:25 it says, "He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life." Do we really think about that verse? Do we really pursue loving our eternal life more than our earthly life? Do we spend as much time building God's kingdom as our own kingdoms? I don't know about you, but yesterday I was 12 years old and I was looking forward to going to the amusement park that my dad's company did every year. And just yesterday I had twin baby girls, but they turned 30 this year. And it seems like yesterday I could go to the workout, come home and clean house, do all the laundry and put it away and cl- fix food and take care of the kids and have all that done by 5.30. If I do one of those now, I'm really happy. Woo, I've accomplished something. So we either invest our time to building the eternal treasure or we waste our time building earthly trinkets. How many times have we heard someone's last words, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time? I shared with you just probably right out a year ago about my cousin that passed away. And he had, would not accept the Lord, had no interest, and then it got to be, well, I've, I've done too much. He doesn't want me. He won't accept me. And then he finally gave his life to the Lord. And he had terminal cancer. But in those last years of his life... There wasn't a stranger he did not tell about the Lord. He was so excited that Jesus loved him enough to die for him that he told everybody. But when he died, one of the last things he said was, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time. Are we focused on our jobs or on the job that we have, our task that Jesus gave us, or are we working diligently on our own agendas? In verse 6, it kind of sums up kind of what we are here today, or what we do today. It says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Anybody feel like your wages just go into a bag with holes? Think about this. What if we spent the exact same amount of time building the kingdom as we do with sleeping, working, playing, family, all of that. What do you think the world would look like? The exact same amount of time. What would the kingdom look like? 
But the word doesn't ask us to divide our time evenly. The word says everything we do is to be done for the Lord. Somewhere along the way, the thought that everything turns out peachy king in life when you give your heart to Jesus was developed. And I don't know where they read that in the Bible, but I've never found that in here. In fact, it's been quite the opposite. When I read the word of God, it says that we will have trials. There will be tribulation. It says John 16:33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So this world is the tribulation. The word of God promises us tribulation. It also tells us that through all that we can have peace. That's what I read. It's my eternal life that promises everything to be perfect. It's my eternal life where all the pain, all the sorrow, all the heartache, all the disappointments are gone to never be again. So why do we as Christians get so bent out of shape when something goes wrong? We lose a job, we lose someone, or somebody disappoints us because we've lost our focus. Our focus has shifted to this world instead of the kingdom of God. We're still living in this world that we messed up. We're the ones that messed it up. In verse 7, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. I found that when I read the word of God and he repeats himself, take note. And in this short amount of scriptures, he says, Consider your ways multiple times. So we need to think about this. And whenever I looked up consider in Webster's Dictionary, If I can find my definition. Anyway, the definition is to stop and to think about, usually about a decision that you're getting ready to make. So we need to do that. Whenever we're getting ready to do something, am I doing this for the Lord? Am I doing this for me? Look at his disciples. Now they ate, they slept, they talked, they walked with Jesus for 12 years. Right there beside them. Jesus right here. But what happened when things didn't go the way they thought it should go. They ran. There was only one, Peter, that even followed from a distance, and when he was approached about Jesus, he denied him three times. We all know that story, because things didn't turn out the way they thought it should turn out. So to consider our ways, number two, we need to unify in purpose. In verse 8, the Lord gives us instructions on what they're supposed to get and to rebuild the temple. He tells them, go to the mountain, bring the wood, and build the temple. Pretty simple. Usually when he tells us to do something, it's, it's pretty simple. When he said, go into all the world, it's a, it's a simple gospel. Jesus loves you. He made it as simple as he could on us. He gave a simple instruction. Go to the mountain, get the wood, and build the temple. These instructions were for all his people. Unified, they were to work to rebuild his temple. You know, I pray for us. I pray for us as individuals. I pray for us as a church. I pray for us as a a kingdom as whole that when things take a left turn, and I feel like our world is really getting ready to take a hard left turn, that we will be so grounded in the word that we'll be able to stand strong on the truths of Jesus Christ. I witness on a daily basis that not happening, and that grieves me. 
Our enemy has not only diverted the world's attention to diversity, he's diverted the church's attention to diversity. It's become you against me, your color of skin against my color of skin, your political party against my political party, which on a side note, I definitely feel like is from Satan because different parties does nothing but separate people. If you're on this side and you're on this side, you're not working together. You're working for your side. So that's just a side note I'm going to throw in there. But Psalms, it says, in Psalms 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. John 17, 18 through 21, Romans 12, 5, 9, 18 and 19, and Ephesians 4, 1 through 9. Just a few more scriptures that solidify that. Working and fighting for one cause, and that's the cause of Jesus Christ. If we work as hard on changing people's hearts as for the cause of Jesus Christ, think about how our world would look. Instead of trying to change their opinion, let's change their hearts. If we all will work with one goal for Jesus Christ, we all come into unity. Instead of it having to be my way or your way, we're working for God's way. I know that I know that I know that when we stand before God and we answer, he's not going to look at us and say, did you fight for lower taxes? Did you fight for equality? He's going to, did you fight for my principles? Are we fighting for his principles? I don't think that... Or do, you, do I think that there wouldn't be any problems if everybody was living in harmony? There probably wouldn't be if everybody was living in harmony. But we know that we have an adversary, and we know that he's coming after us. He doesn't do any new tricks. He can't. He's not capable of new tricks. All he does is disguise it in new camouflage. And his sole purpose is to come to divide the people, because if he can divide the people, he conquers the people. We have become so self-absorbed that we have lost our godly mandate. We are so obsessed with my rights, my opinions, my, 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 that we have failed as Christians to be like Christ. He never cried for his rights. Not once did you ever see him protesting for his rights or fighting for his rights. He gave himself for us. It has become a world of, I have the right to speak my opinion, and if anybody disagrees with me, I have the right to attack them. That's wrong. Anybody agree with me? Okay, thank you. You can talk to me. That is wrong. If you are under the sound of my voice and you call yourself a Christian... You only have the right to be a witness for Christ, to be a servant for Christ. And we only have that right when we bow our knees, confess our sin, ask him to forgive us of that sin, 
and ask him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. From that day on, our only purpose in this life, in, on this planet, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that we're not to have homes or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that our homes, our cars, our jobs, our families, everything we should, um, everything we have should not mean more than Christ does to us. Not more than spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. In our homes, in our schools, in our jobs, in our communities, in all of our activities, we should be spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Our words and our lives should be in the best testimony that anybody could ever see about Jesus Christ. When our actions line up with our words, our world is changed for the better. I pray that you, parents, will raise up sons and daughters to be our future leaders in our government. People who will stand for godly principles and not waver or compromise. We have retreated out of our world system so much that we are living in the consequences of those actions. It's time we take our world back. He gave it to us. He created this world for us, and we messed it up. So we need to get our mandate, our vision back on Jesus Christ so that we can bring our, ba- our world back to where he wanted it to be. It's, it's time to stand up and be a voice for Christ. I don't know if Tina Pate is here today, but I want to thank her for all the years that she's put into our government system trying to stand for godly principles. I know that she was put through the ringer because of her gr- Christian or her godly um, principles. When our children come into our lives, do we dream of them becoming participants in the government system? Mm, I'm pretty sure probably the answer to that on the majority is no. I know I sure didn't. Why not? Why do we not foresee that in our children's lives? My thought is that because when we think of our government, or our first thoughts are corruption, shady deals, lies, and why is that? Because we, as the Christian community, have retreated into our own little worlds. We've come into our own little four walls that we call our church, and we're trying to live our lives out through there. And this is not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in our world. We're not of our world, but we are in our world. And as we're in our world, we change our world when we stand for what God has told us to stand for, for his principles. If you, every word you speak, every action you take, if you're in the government, and I understand why people don't want to run in government positions, because I've seen godly people that have, and every word they've said, everything they've done has been twisted and taken out of context. That's the world. That's Satan attacking, and we have to recognize that. But the word of God doesn't tell us to be comfortable or to play it safe. We as the disciples are called to take Jesus to the world. That means we will not be the popular people. We will not be liked. Satan has been working overtime to put our world into chaos and into complete disorder. And we've been allowing it. It's time for it to stop. It's time for us that no matter what part of the world you're in, if you're in a school, if you're in a business, or if you're at home in a mom's day out, it's time for us in our worlds to stand up and say, 
that's not right. That shouldn't be done that way. It's time for us, as Pastor has said many times, to grow a backbone. We're not going to be liked, but that's okay. This is not our home. There's an old song that talks about, this isn't my home. I'm just passing through. This is not our home. This is not our reward. No matter how nice life can be here on this earth, this is not our reward. This is nothing compared to what God has prepared for us in heaven. Heaven is where no, there's no more disappointments, no more sickness. And anybody else here in this house so sick of cancer? Anybody? I am so sick of hearing that Satan has attacked somebody else with cancer. I'm tired of it. I want to stand against it. But in this world, it says we will have trials. So we will have those things attacked upon us. But when we get to heaven, that's gone. That's what I'm working for. That's what we're running this race for. That's what we're trying to finish across the finish line for is heaven, where we don't have to worry about that ever again. Satan will never be able to put his fingers on you and say, I'm going to do this to you. He will never be able to do that again. So my challenge to you today is, just as God said it, consider your ways. Consider what you spend most of your time on. Consider what has captured your time and your energy. Is it building a better portfolio? Is it building a bigger house, a higher position? Ask yourself, if I spent as much time on rebuilding God's house as I do my own, would things look different? Do you feel like you work 24-7 to get ahead and make no progress? Maybe it's time to consider your ways. Consider or think carefully about your focus and about what's really important to you. In verse 9, it says, You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. The Lord withheld his blessings to his people back then, and I know he withholds it today. Now, all of you who are parents in here, when your child does not do what you have told them to do, you don't continue giving them everything. You, You hold it back. You hold it back until they've had a change of heart. And then... When their heart has changed and their direction has changed is when you begin to pour into their lives again. That's exactly what he does with us. We're his children. And when we don't obey, he will withhold. But when we turn our eyes back to him and turn everything back over to him, you do that not because you don't like your children. You do that because you love them and you want them to learn a very important lesson of obedience Learning obedience in every aspect of our life is important. It's not just when we're children under mom and daddy, but when we get into the working field, we're in school, we've got to know obedience. And so we teach our children that. If you continue reading in the passage, you come to verse 12, where the people turned their ways and obeyed the Lord's command. They turned from building their own houses and began building the Lord's house again. It was then 
that the Lord opened up the heavens and began to bless them again. Worship team, will you come back? And thirdly, to consider our ways, we must commit our time or our life to his. We are accountable as individuals, as a congregation, as a part of the kingdom as a whole. Just, in ha- just as in Haggai's time, we oftentimes find that we have moved our focus from his kingdom to our own. And if you're in this room today, or, or if you're watching online and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I haven't really preached a typical salvation message. I haven't portrayed a picture that says, if you'll give your heart to Jesus, all your problems are going to go away. Everything's going to turn out rosy and wonderful. Because that's not what's right. It's quite the opposite. When we really give our lives 100% to the Lord, our adversary, the devil, will come after you. He comes after us. We have to realize that this life here on this earth, this is not our reward. Our reward, our perfect life, is the one that we see when we join him. Our Lord created this world for us because he loved us and he wanted us to be with him. It was us who destroyed it. It was us who did things our way. God knew all of that before he ever spoke the first words of creation. Yet knowing all the mess that we would do, he still loved us. And he wanted us in his life so much that he was willing to do whatever was necessary to have us in his life. Knowing all that we would do to him, all of our rejection, all of our disobedience, all of our betrayal... He still chose to humble himself, come down to this lowly earth, live a very humble life, and go to the cross. Not for his sins, because he had no sin, but for ours. What we owed, he paid. And what we deserved, he took. He knew everything that had been done against him and he knew everything that we would do against him and yet he chose to do it anyway because he loves you he went all the way to the cross and as they nailed the nails into his feet into his hands and put him on that cross his last words in Luke 23 34 Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved us. And even though we would betray him, we would stab him in the back, we would go against him, he loved us. He saw our potential. He saw what we could be. So he looked past all of that, and he came anyway, just for you and for me he promised us we would have trouble here on this earth but he also promised that he would be with us and he would walk with us that he would give us peace all across this sanctuary will you please stand and please bow your heads and close your eyes
if you're in this room today and you've not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, He doesn't promise to make your life perfect, but He does promise to be with us and, and to give us peace through our trials, through our heartaches, and through our disappointments. He's promised us that if we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, He will forgive us of all of our sin and prepare a place for us in heaven. So today, if you know you need and want him in your life, and you want to invite him in, I'm asking you to raise your hand right now. I'm asking you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I need you. I am a sinner, and I need you in my life. And I want today to be the day that I accept you as my Lord and Savior and ask you to be in my life. If there's anybody in this room today, please do not hesitate. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. He's standing at the altar saying, I'm here and I want you. I died just for you. If you're in this room and you sat here and the Holy Spirit has quickened your heart to recognize that you've allowed your time, your most precious commodity, to be displaced from Him to yourself. That the things of this world have taken over. Your focus on earthly trinkets and not on heavenly reward. Maybe you're here today and realize that people agreeing with your opinion is more important than God's opinion. I believe that he is saying today, just like he did back then, consider your ways. If that's you and you're in this room today, I'm opening the altars. We've already had time at the altars. But if God has touched your heart and said, hey, you don't need that bigger job. You don't need more money in the bank. You don't need the things of this world. That the moment we take our last breath, we'll need nothing. We've worked hard for, we've spent all our time for, but when we take our last breath, they're nothing. They mean nothing. If that's you and you're in this house tonight, I want you to come forward into the altars. Altar workers will come and pray with you. I will be here to pray with you. This message has been on my heart for quite a while, and I have been asking myself these very same questions. Am I putting something else before what God's calling me, asking me to do? Am I building His kingdom before I'm building mine? Because mine doesn't matter here on this earth. It will be gone in a breath. Thank you, Jesus. It's God's kingdom that is for eternity. So if you're like me and you want to make sure there is nothing more important in your life than building God's kingdom, I'm inviting you to come down with me and to rededicate, to regain your focus on what God wants you to do. I'm asking you as he's asked to consider your ways. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, 
We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.